Hey everybody, it's Laz coming to you with another episode, in fact, the very first episode of The Laz Word. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back and doing this episode and finally get a chance to get back on the mic and really talk to you about what's going on in our world today. But I did get some great feedback from episode zero, and I got two key pieces of feedback that I'd really like to share with you. One was, hey, be more you, Laz. Let more of the personality that we know come through on the microphone. And then the second um, piece of information or feedback that I got was, you know what? When it's time to pick a topic for episode one, you got to make a big splash because there's so many podcasts that are out there, and you're going to have to do something that's going to Make people want to come back to listen and subscribe to help build your audience. So what are you going to do? As I thought about it, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. So I better come up with something real quick. And then the more I started going through story after story and just going through topic after topic, I had this one particular issue, this one particular topic that was really just nagging me. And I kept doing this mental volley, do I or don't I talk about this? Because inevitably, there could be some repercussions for myself personally and and or professionally. And then also, there's the potential to have repercussions for friends and family. So, you know, and that can at times, right, it can be a little, a little scary, But the fact of the matter is, I was like, you know what, no, what I said in the very beginning of episode zero was that I was going to be real and this podcast was going to be real. It was going to be factual, it was going to be hard-hitting, and of course, I would mix my opinion in there, and that I wanted to talk about controversial subjects, and I wasn't going to steer away from things just because they might be a little bit controversial to talk about, or even if they're a lot controversial, so... You know, at the end of the day, um, I just really had a a moment where I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to back away from this. I'm just I'm just going to do it. I'm going to talk about something that is going to make people's heads explode. I'm sure. Boom, baby. So listen to this. Listen to this. Okay, listen. So for the last five years, I have had something that has really been just gnawing on me. Um, It's something that really has been bothering me, and I want to preface this before I get into it, because God knows you have to preface things in these days, because if not, some jackass... Yeah, some jackass is going to end up taking what I say and cutting it up and editing it to make it sound like I said something that I really didn't. So I am going to preface this because if someone has the wherewithal to come back and actually listen to the podcast, then they'll be able to hear what I said in entirety. So here you go. I believe and I agree that black lives matter. What I don't support What I don't agree with is I don't support the ideals of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Therefore, I really don't support the movement, not because I don't don't think that Black Lives Matter. I obviously do think that they matter, 
but I don't support their leadership. I don't support the organization. I don't support their movement because I don't support their ideals. Well, what are you talking about, Laz? What ideals specifically? I mean, you can't say that you don't think that you can support or that you don't support the Black Lives Matter movement and then in the same breath say that you support and that you believe Black Lives Matter. Well, yeah, I can say that. That's exactly what I'm saying. And of course, Black Lives Matter because they're lives. Oh. And lives in general matter, regardless of color, regardless of ethnicity. But what I also believe is that when we as a society use descriptors and we put any word in front of the words lives matter, we're missing the damn point. And yes, I understand the example that's out there in the media that you'll see on social media that you'll hear people give you as an argument or push back to what I'm saying. Uh, they always want to go with the example of a house being on fire. I understand that argument and I get it. Um, I agree with it to an extent, but I'm going to explain. So if you haven't heard it, here it is. Their premise, they being those on the left or anyone else that makes wants to make this argument, their premise is that by saying all lives matter, we are saying that we should equally care at all times about everything. So in the example, they'll say, so if a house is on fire, are you going to throw water on all of the other houses? Because they're not even the ones that are burning. Shouldn't you just throw water or hose down the burning house in an attempt to save it? Well, yeah, you, you actually should throw water on the house that's burning. That's common sense. Uh, but let's take that analogy a little bit further, and let's say that the house is yellow and it's burning. Well, guess what, folks? I'm not concerned about the fact that it's yellow. And if you're a human being with a heart and a soul, I would imagine that you couldn't care less whether it's yellow or not either. You're concerned with the fact that it's burning. So take the analogy a little further. Next week, there's a tan house or a greenhouse, God forbid, it catches fire. Should I not care now because it's not yellow? No. We should obviously care because it's a house. And there are people or pets in there or both. So... The argument is just silly. And there are all types of arguments that they want to put out there. Uh, there's the cancer argument. You know, you'll hear this one too. You wouldn't run through a cancer fundraiser shouting there are other types of cancers, would you? Well, that argument is ridiculous too. Because everyone knows there are more than one type of cancer or disease for that matter. But we as a society aren't trying to, nor do we want to unify cancers or diseases that's not what that's about. But we do want to unify people under the premise that every life matters, don't we? And when you single out a particular subset of our society, regardless of race, you simply divide us further. You fuel the fire of racism. And what happens to a house that is next to another house that's on fire? Well, it too can catch fire and burn. And when that happens, you have a raging inferno on your hands. And I don't know if you know anything about a raging inferno, but I don't want that in this country. And I don't think you do either, though I will question the motives of organizations like Black Lives Matter. So let me be clear. What I don't support is the political and economic theories that the founders of the BLM movement believe in and support and the, the notions that they follow specifically Marxism. What? Yeah, Marxism. That's right. 
I said it. No, Laz, that's not true. That's BS. You're crazy. Stop making stuff up. No! Well, yeah. In fact, it is true. First, the three founders of the Black Lives Matter movement were inspired by Joanne Chesimard, who now goes by African name Asada Shakur and lives in exile in Cuba, Cuba, by the way, after she assassinated a New Jersey state trooper. This woman was involved in multiple bombings and executions of New York City police officers, as well as officers in San Francisco and obviously New Jersey. That is where their inspiration comes from. Yeah, not an organization that I want to support. Then in 2015, in an interview with Real News Network, Co-founder Patrice Kahn Cullors said, Black Lives Matter originates from a need to intervene in a 500-year story and plan to kill and create havoc and chaos in black people's lives. What? 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 Yeah, exactly. And when questioned further on whether or not BLM has an ideological frame, Cullors stated, We actually do have an ideological frame. Myself and Alicia, in particular, are trained organizers. We are trained Marxists. By the way, the Alicia that she's referring to is her co-founder, Alicia Garza. So let me say that again. When questioned whether or not Black Lives Matter has an ideological frame, Color stated, we actually do have an ideological frame. Myself and Alicia, in particular, are trained organizers. We are trained Marxists. So for those of you that don't remember or maybe have forgotten because it's been a few years since you've been in school, here you go. What is Marxism? It's the political and economic theories of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, later developed by their followers, to form the basis and theory and practice of, wait for it, drumroll please, communism. That's right. All right, just one more time. The economic theories of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, later later developed by their followers to form the basis in theory and practice of communism. And also, in that same year, 2015, the third co-founder, Opal Tometi, posed in a picture with the Venezuelan socialist dictator and alleged narco-terrorist, Nicolas Maduro. And that was on September 28th at the National Black Theater in Harlem. So... If that's not enough evidence for you or enough reason why I don't support this organization, then let's follow the money. Black Lives Matter is also tied to a nonprofit, and it's called Thousand Currents. And the current vice chair of Thousand Currents is Susan Rosenberg. Hey, who knows about Susan Rosenberg? Let me fill you in. She's a convicted terrorist. In 1985, she was convicted of possessing hundreds of pounds of explosives. She was involved in the Brinks-Nyack robbery, where two cops and a security guard were killed. And she and her organization, the May 19th Communist, were involved in a number of attacks and assassinations on police buildings and bombings, such as the U.S. Capitol and uh, the Naval War Bombing and Naval War College bombing. She is a radical, a revolutionary, and she was let out of prison after serving only 16 years of her 58-year sentence for her terrorist acts. Well, shit! And guess who let her out of jail? Guess who pardoned her? Well, none other than our very own Slick Willie Clinton on his last day in office. No way. No how. 
Yes way. Yet, when I say I don't support the Black Lives Matter movement, liberals or those on the left label me racist. And why? Why do they do that? Because it is one of the oldest tricks in the book. They play the semantics game. Stop with the semantics. They twist and turn words, and they put spin on the truth to simply drive their narrative. And they know that they're being intellectually dishonest to themselves and to you and everyone else around them. So not supporting the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't make me a racist. If anything, it makes me true to my beliefs because I can't be something that I'm not. And just because you might have an opinion of me, that doesn't make it so. What would make it so is if my actions were to have been something that was racist or my statements were something that was racist. But my actions, my words throughout my life have spoken to the contrary. And the reason that I'm called all of these different things, racist, bigot, not woke, prejudice, all of that, is because it's due to my conservative views for the most part. The fact of the matter is that the people who can't separate the Black Lives Matter movement from the statement that Black Lives Matter, when they take that stance that they're one and the same, they're simply one of two things. They're either, one, not educated enough to understand the difference between the two, or they know damn well what the difference is, and they're just not telling the truth. They're simply lying, and they're not being uh, intellectually honest with themselves or anyone else, and... At the end of the day, of course, that's what they want to do. They want that misdirection. But let me take it a step farther for you here. What I really think we need to do is we need to stop using labels. I mean, folks, this is what causes part of the problem. We need to start accepting people for who they are, people. we That's all the description that we need. And when we do that, when we start to accept the fact that we don't need descriptors in front of words like man or woman or person, we don't need descriptors of color or ethnicity or religious background, we're just people, then that's the day that we really start to take steps towards eliminating prejudice and bias in this country. And look, I'm not saying that there's not racism in this country. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I know it exists. Okay, and let me be very clear about something. Racism in and of itself is appalling. It's disgusting. And if you're a racist person, then you're scum, period. But I will also say that when we continue to do things to divide us or as a society, when we allow things that continue to divide us, then we are at fault. And just as a perfect example, the whole argument with Black Lives Matter is that black lives are in jeopardy because of what we're seeing in the media about police brutality. And I understand that. No one should be abused by anyone, especially the police who are charged to serve and protect, right? That's what their their oath is, and I get that. But let me share a little logic with you from someone who served in law enforcement, Sheriff D. Clark. Sheriff Clark served in the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office as sheriff from 2002 to 2017. And this is what he said about our society and what's happening right now with police. It's not the police who need to be retrained. It's the public, he says. 
We have grown into a mouthy, mobile phone-wielding, vulgar, uncivil society with no personal responsibility and the attitude of, it's the other person's fault, you owe me. A society where children grow up with no boundaries or knowledge or concern for civil society or personal responsibility. And I couldn't agree more with him. Because let me tell you something out there that for everybody that's listening. The police officers that go to the academy and get six months training, contrary to popular belief that I've heard time and time again this argument, they get six months of training and they're thrown out in the field. Bottom line, that's bullshit. That's not what happens. Yes, they do get six months worth of training, but they're also assigned to a FTO, which is a field training officer. And typically, my understanding is that they're with that FTO doing on-the-job training for another two years. And during that time, if they screw up for any reason, they're gone, or they could be gone at least. So that training continues for the six months after they've become a certified police officer in their state or their municipality. So in addition to that, I also know that these police officers and first responders also go through additional continuing education. You want to know why I know that? Because I attended one of these classes. And this class in particular taught first responders, police officers, how to deal with people who happen to be on the spectrum for autism or people who happen to have Asperger's. And we sat there for hours reviewing different techniques. Why did I go through this class? Because I have a lot of friends who are also police officers and first responders, and I thought, you know what? The chances are that I might even come across someone other than the people who are in my family who happen to be uh, afflicted with with autism. I have friends who have children who have autism or Asperger's, so this is probably good knowledge for me. So that's why I was there. So when you're told that these police officers don't get enough training or they need more training— Yes, they need training, additional training, continuing ed, and they're getting it. And it's not to say that the training couldn't be better, but don't let anyone tell you that they're given six months training and thrown out on on the street with a gun and a badge and handcuffs. That's a bunch of crap. And anybody that takes that stance needs to do their research and figure it out because that's not how it works. That is not the case. And they're pushing a false narrative. And that is what pisses me off about the left more and more because those types of false narrative are exactly what's being pushed and exactly the type of rhetoric that's dangerous that they constantly throw out there at us. All right. So enough of that rant. The second topic that I want to get into here is really something else that's relative to the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, we constantly are allowing and seeing that there's all this change going on in our country. And this change, or with this change, brings all types of things that are still continuing to divide us, which to me makes no sense. And I'm going to give you the example. You can't continue to say that you want to reunite or you want to unite people and then continue to divide them by offering them separatist types of things. Perfect example. What's going on with our NFL? Right now we want to have, or now they're going to have the uh, song that's called Lift Every Voice, which, by the way, is an absolutely beautiful song. I sung it in school, and um, I think it's absolutely beautiful. There's some beautiful harmonies in there when it's done really, really well. But that said, they want to play that song because it's been um, adopted as, quote-unquote, the black national anthem. And they're going to play it before the 
uh, United States national anthem. So here you go again. You have something that has the best of intentions, right? You want to recognize the the struggle within the black community. I get that. But even when you do something that has the best of intentions, if it's still dividing us, then it's something that shouldn't be done, period, point blank. That's the end of the story. The bottom line is that you are going to play a, a, a national anthem which really there isn't another national anthem. There's only one national anthem, but it's been adopted as the black national anthem. So now you're going to play that for one subset of our society. So you're basically saying, here, we'll play your national anthem, and now we're going to play ours. That All that does is continue to further drive divide between races. That is dumb. It Even it, though it has the best of intentions, it's just not the right course of action. And when we continue to do those things and we continue to take those steps, all we're doing is continuing to drive divide in this country. So, and, and last but not least, the best thing that I can say here is that I know the argument that I'm going to get back. And I know the pushback that I'm going to get. Well, Laz, you need to be part of the conversation. You need to be part of the solution and not the problem. And your, your rhetoric, your speak, it drives and divides people. I understand that. And if you feel that way, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can really do about that. But I tell you that's not the intent. My intent is to educate. My intent is to put an end or to fight back against the narratives and the false narratives that are being pushed down our throats by the left and liberals in general across this country. We see it in schools. We see it in the media. And for God's sakes, we even see it in our entertainment and in the movement in the movie. So it's time for us as a silent majority, which is really who I speak to for the most part, to stop being so silent. We've been silent long enough. The media has a lockdown on the liberal narrative. It's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to push back and say enough is enough with the silliness, enough with the bullshit, and let's have real conversations and start to affect real change and stop with all the division. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's the last word. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and coming back and listening to episode one, my very first episode, where I really attack some of the craziness that's going on in our world. So, hey, don't forget to check me out on social media. You can find me at Facebook at The Last Word. I'm on Instagram um, at The Last Word. And you can also find me on Twitter at The Last Word Pod. By the way, the website is thelastword.com. And of course, you can always shoot me an email at thelastword at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, hear some of your feedback, constructive criticism. And yeah, I'm sure, because we all know that liberals are going to hate it, I'm going to get some hate mail too. But I welcome it all because I'd love to be able to go back and forth with a little banter. That'd be fun as well. So take care, everybody. Until next time, this is Laz, and we'll be talking to you soon.